mindfulness mode, 250. I think the reason why the majority of people suffer in life is because they lack a sense of mindfulness. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. I am so excited today. I have a great guest who has done some fascinating things in his life, and he's truly helping thousands and thousands of people. We'll talk all about that. His name is Callan Diggs. So, Callan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Bruce. How about yourself? I'm doing well also. And I'm just going to share a little bit of a bio of you, Callan. And this is what I've written. Callan Diggs is an author and also the host of the syndicated show, Reaching the Finish Line. He's passionate about reducing the high levels of unemployment by helping people achieve their goals and find their purpose in life. Last year, Callan lived in three countries. He walked 65 miles on Spain's Camino de San Diego. He completed a Vipassana meditation retreat, which is 12 hours of meditation per day for 10 consecutive days. Imagine that. I mean, this man is such an achiever. He goes for his goals and just makes them happen. And so many of his goals are in helping others. So, Callan, what does mindfulness mean to you? I'm fascinated at that and want to start with that question. Yes, Bruce. Mindfulness is, to me, is living in the present moment, uh, is being conscious, is being fully conscious, eliminating all the mental chatter, you know, allowing your mind to connect to what's out there. You know, a lot of people have different beliefs. Some people may say, you know, connect with God, connect with the cosmos. Uh, but you only can do that if, you, if you're able to quiet your mind, to bring your mind at peace to a standstill. And to be able to live in that, live in those, live in that state for, you know, uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes, half hour, you know, that's what I define mindfulness. You know, bring your mind from beta into alpha, into theta, you know, and, you know, if you're, very, if you're lucky, into delta. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you could just make that, that common shift from beta to alpha, that's when you enter mindfulness. Well, I'm fascinated in talking with you about the retreat that you went on, the Vipassana retreat. What was it like to meditate for that many hours, 12 hours of meditation every day for 10 days, and you don't talk to anybody, you don't communicate with anyone else other than you're getting in touch with yourself. Can you describe that feeling? Yes, yes. Um, For a person who has already had an orientation to meditation, you know, I thought there was going to be, um, you know, a ch- it was going to be somewhat challenging, but I thought, you know what, you know, I can handle it. Sure. Uh, but I really underestimated, you know, because I've never meditated for that long. Uh, typically, uh, I'll meditate every between 20 minutes to 45 minutes on a daily basis, but I've never did 12 hours, you know, so, uh, you know, there was something that risen with risen within me, and it was it was unbelievable because I, I never thought that I would be experiencing this because I thought I had a good grasp of meditation, and a lot of thoughts. Why are you doing this? You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You know, a lot of mental chatter that, that we were speaking about earlier. You know, the mental chatter that I felt had under control have risen and came back at a stronger level, and it was definitely challenging because um, 
not only myself, but, you know, a lot of people uh, I've seen, you know, I was, you know, observing, uh, they wanted to kind of throw in a towel as well, looking at their faces. And, you know, as you stated, you can't communicate with nobody. You know, they tell you, they say, avoid looking at people, you know, avoid all communication. The only person you can talk to uh, is they have, they have servers, um, uh, and where like during, you know, during a lunch break, you know, you know, you know, before or after lunch, you can talk to them or the master and you have to schedule a time with him through the service where you can talk to him. But there was no talking, uh, with the other participants, no form of communication whatsoever. So it's like you alone among a bunch of people. You know, and it kind of it sounds like an oxymoron, yeah. but it, it literally is that you alone among a bunch of people. And that's and, a strange feeling, isn't it? Yeah. When you, when you can't communicate with them, you're not to communicate. What was your toughest day, Callan? Day one or one of the others? I, I, I want to say that being that I had a strong orientation meditation, probably my toughest day was probably day four um, because, you know, I was kind of get used to it. So, okay. I know it's going to be longer than normal, longer than usual. Um, you know, it's going to be a bit hard. You know, so day one wasn't too bad. Day two was a little harder. Day three, I started to feel it. Then day four, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And that really, it really came upon me. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, I was, I, I actually surprised myself. Because I was arriving to the point and where I thought that I've worked so hard so hard uh to bring my mind to bring myself at a state of peace and just it's just to show you bruce that you know we always need to be constantly investing ourselves practicing improvement always searching for more personal development because there is no point where a person fully arrives you know um I think the Buddha said the 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 path of enlight, enlightenment is, is internal. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's it's nothing where you just you reach it and you can stop and t- go on vacation. <laughs> no, well, I reached that. Now let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So so it it really highlighted and it brought me that lesson that uh, you know you know hey you know this was a point that I needed to ex- learn and uh, thankfully I was able to participate in that experience. But it just to show me that. Despite all the practice that I had with meditation, I still needed more to be able to achieve and even to be more comfortable with these type of uh, with those type of settings. And so how did you feel when you were finished? Did you feel like, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever? Or what were your feelings when you ended this? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I was so connected at that point that I didn't want to leave. You know, okay. I, I could understand like, well... A part of me did want to leave because I was like, oh, freedom. I could go back out in civilization. But there was another part of me that didn't want to leave because I was so connected. You know, like like day, eight, night, I was, um, you know, uh, there's there's a popular book called The Flow State. And I felt like I was in there. You know, it's like my mind was at peace. I was making peace with different areas in my life. And, you know, I had more clarity than ever, you know, during that time. And, you know, coming to an end, I was like, I was like, you know, you know, what, what would it be like if I could just be here 
you know, for a month, for two months. And there are response in us where you can uh, stay there for a month and two months, well, a month at least uh, for multiple times. And then um, those are a lot of the um, orientation uh, classes that you can explore to see if you want to pursue the life of a monk. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I wanted to go that far, but I definitely wanted to stay there longer because, like I said, I, I had so much clarity that I had in ever. You know, I was in so much flow and I felt like for the, I feel like for the first time in a long time, my life was at its clearest. Wow. And when did you decide to write the book? Was it before that? Was it after that? Yeah, it was before it was um, it was uh, before that. Okay, so you're writing the book, and the book is, is Reaching the Finish Line, How to Thrive in the Generation Y Era. So yeah. what caused you to arrive at the point where you wanted to write about this, about how to thrive in the Generation Y Era? Yes. So, Bruce, like, we live in a very rapidly growing society. We uh, sure do. You know, the era of millennials and you know in 10 years it's not going to be about millennials anymore it's going to be generation z and it's really important more than ever to really have a sense of focus and clarity because we're among so many distractions you know we have social media television all these distractions going on it's like especially in this era it's like you're doing one thing and then six years later it becomes irrelevant you know, yes. and all that causes stress and it, it decreases your attention span. And I think more than ever, it's important for people to learn the importance of solitude. And that's something I talk about in the book. Uh, and mindfulness really delves very well within that. You know, being mindfulness, being alone, uh, you know, living in the present moment. And unfortunately, the reason why people have so much stress in their lives. It's because they don't have a sense of mindfulness. They don't, you know, they don't plan out for that. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And um, especially when you live in a place like New York City, when there's traffic, traffic, and it's go, 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 uh, it could be very hard. And when you have kids and a wife and, you know, it's like the more responsibility you have, you know, the more people would justify and say, well, I don't have time for mindfulness. Exactly. You know, there's always time. And the best time, you know, to, 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 to uh, meditation or self-reflection is to do it when you wake up or before you go to bed. Because at that time, your brain starts to, like, if when you wake up, your brain uh, is in the alpha state. And when you go to sleep, your brain yes. uh, falls in the alpha state. You know, so that's where it's easy enough if a person wants to you know, do a meditation if a person wants to, um, you know, have some self-reflection, maybe do some journaling. Uh, there's a great book that I like. Uh, it's quite popular among uh, the mindfulness community and spiritual communities called A Course in Miracles. You know, it kind of it kind of it teaches about, uh, you know, being more being more forgiving, being more loving to other people. And um, it really, it, 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 you know, for people who. I guess not necessarily a Christian oriented. It kind of has a Christian slant, but you could just replace that word with cosmos and it's still relevant, you know, or whatever what person believes in. But it's a great uh, book and uh, it's really, uh, it, it really teaches how to um, really dissolve the ego. And I think because that's, right. that's the problem, you know, when we have so much stress in our lives, 
we allow the ego to take control. We allow the ego to dictate, you know, how we should react. The ego places thoughts in our mind, and then from there, it kind of tells us what to do, you know. And we think yeah, we think does. we have control, but it's really that ego. And if we can make peace with ourselves and remove the ego from the equation, then that's when we can start uh, having more mindfulness. So that's what I strive to do. For me. I prefer to uh, do it before I go to bed because it's kind of easier for me. I kind of wake up, have self-reflection, uh, and then you know before I go to bed, I kind of meditate uh, anywhere between 20 to 45 minutes. And uh, and then the great thing about that, you know, at least for me doing it at nighttime, is you literally have no insomnia because when you meditate, you bring your you, when you're in an alpha state, you're slowly bringing yourself into theta, and then by the time you're done your meditation, you just fall right to sleep. So it's, so it's perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. You're absolutely right. What were you like as a little boy, Callan? When you were a little boy, were you reflective? Were you like a deep thinker? This, what was a day like for you when you were eight years yes, old? Yes, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I was a thinker. You know, I'm, I'm an introvert. Uh, I, I do a lot of I'm – I'm always in my head. You know, so people say and, – and – uh, I think I was trying to make sense of life, you know, um, you know, my grandfather was trying to, uh, you know, really instill principles in me. At that time, I didn't know he was sick, but he was really trying to teach me a lot of things. Uh, and, you know, I was wondering, I was like, you know, you know, as I was eight years old, I wanted to play Tonka trucks, Power Rangers, you know, that type of thing. Of course. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, I did have an appreciation of things, you know, like, you know, it's like it's like he gave me a very small window of that. But it's like, OK. You want to watch National Geographic now, you know, and I, it's like for me, it's like, you know, I, I do it sometimes, but uh, I guess at eight years old, I wasn't that uh, mature to really appreciate it. But as I got older, as I got became, well, I was 12, 13 years old, I started appreciating it more, you know, and, you know, I started kind of see the, the duality of life, you know, as far as seeing uh, what matters and what doesn't matter. Well, it's no wonder you got involved in wanting to help yeah. people because you just started looking around you and it sounds like you were really dismayed at how lost the people were around you. Is yes, that right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, I think the reason why the majority of people suffer in life is because they lack a sense of mindfulness. I agree. Yeah, uh, that's what, you know, you know, it's unfortunate that you know, our country has a high unemployment rate. You know, the government says it's four point. I don't know what it is. They four four percent. You yeah. know, roughly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I know you talked about that in your book. The real statistics. You know, when you talk to chambers of commerce in places like in places like Detroit, in places like Philadelphia, a lot of these big metro areas, it's much higher than that. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of yeah, what they call a skew statistics. Um, but you know. It is unfortunate for a person not to have a job because people, you know, result to having a job to, you know, pay their bills. But at the same time, you ha you, you could be stressful at the situation or you can make peace with the situation. And I invite people to make peace with the situation. Yes, you may be unemployed, but by looking within, you can find that inspiration that can lead you to a job or it can lead you to making a contact, help you become self-employed. But it really starts within. I think the problem that people suffer is when they lack mindfulness, they tend to look external rather than internal. Right. And that's what you teach in your book, isn't it? Yeah. To look internal. And and 
how are you able to get that across to the reader to really understand what you mean about getting yeah. internal? In the in the book, I talk about kind of sometimes it comes down to isolation. When you're surrounded by so many people and they have their agendas, you know, if you live in a big city, it's even harder. I talk about, well, you really need to make this your intention. So if you really want to connect, you know, and, you know, and have a sense of mindfulness, you know, I suggest, you know, spending a weekend, going out, being among nature, leaving your phone behind, disconnecting from everything and just really and just really. Uh, try to ground yourself and um, encourage a state of peace, you know, because people say, oh, well, no, no, I, I could do that at home. Well, if you have a wife, if you have a kid, if you have kids, um, if you if you have all these responsibilities where you're currently at, it's going to make it impossible. Yeah, life just goes on, doesn't it? Life just goes on and you can't exactly. do a thing about it. You may it. start for, you know, two or three minutes, the phone rings or the wife knocks on your door or the kids, daddy, daddy, it just doesn't work. And so what you have to do yeah, is physically right. remove yourself from the environment and really uh, make it your deliberate intention to put yourself there. Right. And that's what you did with your with your retreat. But you also did it when you traveled to Spain. When did you get the idea that you wanted to go to Spain and you wanted to take part in that walk? I mean, that's incredible. I know thousands and thousands do that. Spain's Camino de Santiago. Tell us about that, when you decided and what it was like yes. to do it. So that was about almost two months after the response to the meditation retreat. And I thought, you know, so I'm always looking for things that challenge me, uh, Bruce. And for me, it's challenging me mentally because really uh, a lot of people ignore, you know, uh, I like to say the chaos that goes within the mind. And again, they don't realize that the ego takes control. You know, the ego flutters your mind with thoughts and it says, based on all the thoughts it flutters, encourage you to, to make you do something based on its recommendations, you know, um, you know, a person, a neighborhood, um, uh, you know, uh, a society, an environment, you know, I don't, you know, the ego create these biases with foreign perceptions, which makes you believe, well, this is the right thing, so I'm going to do this, which is totally subjective. So for me, I wanted to challenge myself, always, always want to challenge myself. So I say, you know what, I have to find something else that's going to mentally challenge myself. So that's what I did. I, uh, I walked 65 miles uh, in six days. And uh, the ego came back in. The ego said, who do you have to prove? You don't have to do this. You know, what are you doing this for? Okay, you already did the meditation retreat. That's enough. Okay. And for me, the things, I, the things that typically frighten me or create anxiety, those are things that I do. Because I, I, I try to put my I, I try to constantly put myself in a state of being comfortable with being uncomfortable, and uh, that was another opportunity to do that. And uh, the first day, I have to say, wow, you know, I walked 13 miles. To, what was it? It was almost 13 miles the first day. And yeah. again, that eagle came back in again. <laughs> the eagle said, "Okay, you did good. You know, let's go to let's go to Madrid." Let's go to Madrid. Let's go to Barcelona. You know, let's relax. Let's have some fun. You did good. 13 miles. That's a, that's a record. You deserve a break. 
But uh, but I knew within myself. I said no. I said wherever I start, I plan on finishing. And uh, it's very interesting, uh, Bruce, because walking that whole trail is so scenic. You see so much beauty out there, you know. You, you see farms, yeah. you know. The people there are very nice, you know. I had a guy, you know, you know, you know. You know we talked for a while. He he offered me a a beer, you know. Hey, you know, you know, like people, are, you know. There's another woman. Uh, she she offered me to uh, eat from her grape tree because she had, like this huge orchard of grapes, you know. So it's uh, you, know, you know, a lot of these people they live on a trail. Uh, so they kind of understand why people do this. It kind of makes the quest sure. uh, for walking from – well, there's multiple starting points to get to the Camino de Santiago uh, or Santiago de Compostela. But, uh, but a lot of the people there, they know the history of it and they understand that um, the, why people – our own journey. Some people do it for health reasons. Some people do it for spiritual reasons. You know, everyone has their own reason, but the community within itself is very supportive. And um, and yeah, I was very fortunate to be a part of that. It sounds amazing. It sounds like a tremendously mindful experience to be doing. Yeah, that. It, it it was. It was. And um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of the contrary because when you're meditating, you're sitting down, and it's like yeah. you're closing your eyes. It's like you're it's like you're doing sensory deprivation, but then when you're walking for so long, it's like it's like the opposite. And where it's like your your eyes are open, you're fully conscious, but it's also different too. I feel like in a way, it's more of it, it's it's more of a greater sense of mindfulness because you're being conscious of your surroundings, what's going on around you, and really it's a great setting because. You're just connecting with nature. It's just you and nature. Of course. Every now and then, you may see someone else walking on a trail, and you know they may say hi to you, they may speak to you, and typically you, you might you might not see them no more than a few miles. You know, you may have about twenty minute conversation. They go on, they go on. But there are trails and where you pick that most people don't take. That you could just be all by yourself. You know, I I, I took the I went from Odense to Santiago de Compostela uh, because. Uh, it was new for me, you know, and I wanted to, I, I didn't want to try a trail that no one really takes. I didn't want to try a trail that's always crowded. So I want to find something in the middle, which, 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 I, which I thought was a great one. And it was a great opportunity to really connect with nature, to really admire the beauty of the trees, the beauty of the, uh, uh, of the hills, of the, what they call the meadows, uh, you know, to really, to really appreciate people, you know, and, it also encouraged, you know, you know myself to really think a lot about life, to really get clarity, to really see, you know, am I on track? You know, is this, you know, could I could I live better? Could I love better? You know, could I really increase my likelihood of making a difference? And uh, yeah, it was definitely a powerful experience. It's something I will do again, without a doubt. Wow, I love that. I love that. I want to shift gears. Were you ever bullied? Were you ever a bully? Were you ever involved in bullying in any way? I was never a bully, but I have been bullied. You know, right. I, you know, because when I was younger, Bruce, I was the oddball in school. You know, like kids would talk about, oh, did you hear this new CD? And I was talking about, 
did you watch the last episode of National Geographic? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, was, yeah. I was like the total nerd, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was bullied. You know, kids would throw things at me because I wasn't cool. So, yeah, I had that. But I was never the bully, you know? Right. Um, but but in reality, um, Bruce, I think as we get older, we all we all bully people in some form with our ego, you know? Because we dictate how like so, so basically we project our ignorance onto other people you know so so basically we get this perception that i'm smarter than you you're not smart you should listen to me and some people do it in obvious ways other people do it in more subtle ways you know but i think with our ego unfortunately we all bully people in some form the, the key is is when we can get a better grasp of our ego you know we can transcend the ego that's when we can be able to show more love, compassion, and be more be more at peace with other people. You know, now I think I think I think there are a lot of people who have arrived to a point where they have um, made peace with their ego and are transcending it. But there's a lot of people out there that haven't, and they still struggle with it, and the ego still dictate their life. And unfortunately, through their decisions, you know, they they um, they're uh subconsciously using their ego to project their ignorance to other people, to make people feel inferior, to make people feel jealous, or, or these other things. Yeah. Well, I want to, I, I, th- I find that fascinating. And, you know, I, I know that there are people that say to me, well, I feel bullied by the government. I feel bullied by the president. Yeah. But are you at peace with that? Do you feel bullied in that way? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, bullied by the president i don't really because uh for me i always I always um say that every four years it doesn't matter who's going to be the president i can always choose to be at peace it's always a choice it's always a choice you know it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who's your president who's your governor who's your neighbor you can always make the conscious decision to be at peace you can, because it comes from inside exactly it? like you said earlier it's always you know yeah you yeah. can only you can only uh, be bullied if you make that choice that you're going to allow yourself to be bullied. You know, right. for example, the president for most people is probably like thousand, is probably like hundreds of thousands of miles away. You know, you know he's not in your face. He can't. He's, he's not doing anything to you. You know, if if his decisions, if that really affects you, and you feel like he's being a bully, well, you've made the conscious decision that I'm going to accept his choices to be a way of bullying myself. That's a choice right there. You know, for me, honestly, I don't really watch the news a whole lot. You know, I, I really do. You know, so I'm, I don't either. Yeah, so I'm disconnected from that, you know. You know, every day my intention is to be at peace. You know, I have and I have um, you know, books and, you know, audios and and then I meditate and be among nature. You know, I I live here uh currently in Aspen. In Aspen area, so you know, as far as opportunities to be among nature, it's plenty. It's beautiful here, Everywhere. seven thousand nine hundred feet in the air. It's amazing, you know. So I have wow. a, I have a lot of opportunity. You know, I have a lot of opportunities to really shift my focus away from all of the mainstream minutia, and to really focus on being a sense of gratitude and appreciating what's all around me. 
Right. Well, I love that. I love being in nature and I love the fact that you are spreading the word that this is one of the answers. Now, I want to ask you five quick answer questions that just 30 second answers. Okay. Perfect. Because we just we're going to whip through this. Who's one person that has influenced your mindfulness? Wow. Uh, David Hawkins. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Callan? It has increased my uh, ability to project positive emotions. How is breathing part of your mindfulness? Very important. Uh, the slower you breathe, the easier it is to bring you down to an alpha state or a theta state. And if also, also if, you, if you're breathing faster, you're probably going to increase your likelihood for that mental chatter to continue to exist. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? I know you've mentioned a couple, but what would you recommend? Yeah, Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Perfect. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful or would help others be more mindful? There's one called Remente, R-E-M-E-N-T-E, which is actually it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I have gone through a I'm – not, I'm not a huge – techie person when it comes to those type of apps you know for me uh, uh, I would recommend binaural beats uh, it's very helpful if you're new or you have dead meditation in a while kind of bring it kind of helps you get into that meditative state but uh, when, when I do use an app I'll probably use Remente R-E-M-E-N-T-E and uh, basically it stands for Re and Demente is in Spanish for Mind Remind Perfect. Well, it's been great talking with you, Callan. How can we get your book? How can we connect with you? How can we learn more about what you do? For sure. Uh, they can go to reachingthefinishline.com. Uh, when you go to reachingthefinishline.com, um, there's a lot of great personal development articles as well as career entrepreneur articles, but it kind of comes from a, a spiritual kind of sense uh, in a way. Uh, I'm, I'm very transparent. Uh, on that, that, that on, on my site, uh, when I have downs, when I, when I have lows, I talk about them. You know, I, I don't want to paint the percept, paint the picture that I'm so, I'm some guru and I want a pedestal and I want everybody to really, you know, I want people to understand that I have flaws just like everybody else. And I think, I think what resonates with people is they appreciate that. They appreciate that. You know, yes, I've may have more success along the way, but. At the end of the day, I'm still human and I still have lows. And I talk about that on a website, fully transparent, but I also, you know, talk about what I've learned from those experiences and how people can overcome, you know, have more success uh, in their personal uh, as well as their uh, professional lives. The book is uh, reachingthefinishline.com uh, forward slash uh, buy forward slash new book. And uh, they can pre order the book. Uh, the book is coming out in a few months, and very excited about it. Uh, as we talk, as we talk about in this episode, mindfulness is definitely a theme uh, in that book. And without mindfulness, uh, unfortunately, you probably won't reach the finish line. You know, that's my main. I agree. That's my main theme. I want everybody to reach the finish line, and in order to get there, uh, one of the cornerstones is mindfulness. And of course, we can listen to you on your podcast, right? That's correct. You can go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash podcast. And I have 100 plus episodes uh, with lots of great people. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, also have um, uh, Mark Goldston, uh, which, which he has a great book. Uh, best, probably the top communication book in the world. Uh, it's called Just Listen. Um, you know, I, I feel like too, really, 
ever since I incorporated more mindfulness, that book really has a stronger resonance. You know, because then you then you're doing it from a, a place of authenticity as a rather than a place from superficiality. You know, so I had him on. I had the co-founder of Match.com. You know, you know, lots of interesting people. I had people from The Secret on there. So yeah, lots of interesting people, and they get checked out at ReachTheFinishLine.com uh, forward slash podcast, and they also subscribe to it on iTunes. Yeah, your podcast is excellent. And of course, you have an amazing voice as a podcast host, so it's perfect. And you just ask great questions. I love your podcast. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. And uh, you have a great rest of your day, Callan. Thank you, Bruce. Make it your best day ever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, take care. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.